we literally borrowed a Jeep for three days and <laughs> we're putting every sort of wax on the vehicle we could to make sure that the resin yeah, pulled. didn't kill the paint. Everybody, like 30 or 40 races off, I just drove right to the front. I'm like, some dudes follow me, dude. I'm going in the bib. Like, fuck this, dude. I don't tell everyone I'm sorry. I don't want to sell it because I got my hobbies are way too expensive to go live retired life. You sound like that dude that was on Jackass and just like getting kicked in the nuts. Like, the one that's kind of like... Welcome to Oil & Whiskey, an Ironclad original. Today's guest is off-road racing champion Casey Curry. You can learn more about Casey Curry on Instagram at Casey Curry and at CaseyCurry.com or CurryEnterprises.com, right? Yeah. Uh, Casey, welcome to Oil & Whiskey right here in person, flesh and blood, in studio. Excited to be here. Appreciate you coming out, man. That's a trek. Southern California, yeah. leaving the uh, the beautiful weather you have to come join our uh, negative twenties, negative thirties here. I figured I'm like, if I'm gonna fly back to Chicago area, let's do it when it's at its worst. Yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah, you miss like the sub zero temps by a day, but it's still brutal out there. Today's like summer. Yeah, yeah. we had a fifty degree weather swing, negative thirty on Tuesday, and we're twenty two today. It is, uh, yeah, the whole weather thing back here. Well, I mean, I thought at our house, thirty six degrees it shuts everything down. I didn't realize that it goes actually below that. Yeah, oh, way yeah. below. Like, yeah. My, oh, it's, this is cold. It's tough. You get into that, like, negative 10, I'll tell you what, it shuts down. That's the fucking plumbing. Because we <laughs> we had ourselves a little water situation because the shit freezes. Pipes start freezing. It's brutal. You just yeah. cold. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... See, we don't even do that. Same with, like, you guys have trailers outside with snow on the roof. I'm going, like... I don't know if anything I own can actually have snow on it or would it <laughs> rust or fall apart? I didn't think anything out there in California like can exist plus or minus like a six degree window. It's like oh. anything over 79 degrees or anything under like 69 degrees, 60, it should, either power grid shuts down because it's too hot, it's, power grid shuts down because it's too cold. Yeah, I don't know how the, the whole battery thing, it makes, it is funny because when it's, a, if it's over 85 and everyone has their air on, they literally tell you to turn it off during the day because... Yeah. It's going to go to brown out and you're sitting there going like, okay, so they want everyone to go to electric cars by 2030, but here we can't even run our air conditioners during the day. I saw a good post. I don't know who did it. It was like a meme uh, yesterday, the day before it was like in a parking garage and the, somebody had their electric car plugged in uh, to the little inverter thing and the guys unplugged it. He's like, I don't get free gas. You don't get free electricity. <laughs> <laughs> well, just in uh, Chicago, we had like, no. Uh, it was crazy, right? All the Teslas. Oh, yeah. You they, guys, can't, it, they can't handle the cold, cold temps. I guess they can't heat the battery to charge. Yeah, so precondition the battery to charge. People are just, like, leaving them places. <laughs> O'Hare was full of them. They were trying to yank them out of there. Yeah, everything was just dead. Okay, yeah. It's the whole, uh, I'll pay the taxes. 75 <laughs> degrees almost year-round. My kids were wearing no shirts two days ago on riding skateboards. So it's it's crazy to see, like, and you're like, what do you do when it's this cold when you're a kid? You go to work. Yeah, right? There you go. You play skateboarding video games <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> we got <laughs> indoor skate parks. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't want to go too far down the path, but just <coughs> for a second, think about, I mean, Elon Musk is a genius, obviously, right? I mean, evil scientist, you know, goes to space and all that stuff. Created a great car. Engineering feat. But imagine the complaints... It just, uh, so yeah, it's too cold. Can't drive it. You just got to throw it away, leave it, abandon it. 
how many years and the car builders out there will know you know this we know this how many times you get a like a customer pissed off back in the day of a like glove boxes going what what's it doing but only at like 65 can you come pick goes it goes away at 66 but it's 65 miles an hour. Don't drive yeah. 65. Try to do like 64 or 66. And granted, we left the interior <laughs> stock, right? <laughs> but Elon Musk. my brand new car. When you get a $100,000 car, that's a little too cold. Yeah. No driving just, for you today. Yeah, you're going to want to leave that there. Super funny, though. My, uh, I just did a new interior in my 67 Camaro like two weeks ago. And the, the only thing that rattles right now is the glove box. Yeah, the yeah. I, I don't know why. It, it never rattled. I didn't even do upholstery inside the glove box. But, but you it, fucked around in the, yeah, inside now. that car. So, okay. yeah. I think GM put like two BBs inside the between the skin and the shell. Like, <laughs> <Sorry. I don't laughs> just fuck with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst design. Uh, so you've been quite busy over the last few years. I, so tell us about recent times and then we'll, we'll hop into, you know, how young Casey got his start. Right. So I actually just turned 40 years old. I'm actually t- I'm feeling really old now, but, uh, you and me both. It's not right. 40. It's not that old. 40 is 40 is pretty young. Yeah. But yeah. So basically in 2020 in January, I won the car, which is going on right now, uh, racing UTVs. So first American never win to car, uh, crazy defeat, uh, pretty wild experience. But I basically, the three years before that devoted my basically my entire life to winning that one race, which it's wild, but travel like 30 weeks um, a year to focus on that one race. There's that much testing development uh, and just train to get ready for it, but won that. And then uh, basically in the year before that, my dad and my uncle owned Curry Enterprises. They were looking at basically retiring, selling the business, but both of them didn't want to sell the business. And uh, my grandpa had a deal with, uh, my dad and my uncles basically that no grandkids ever allowed to work for Curry. That was the deal. Never a paycheck. So I'm 40. So at 36, um, my dad and my uncles were going like, we, we want to retire, but obviously we don't want to sell it because it's our, their legacy. And they've never worked anywhere else, but Curry. My dad had a part-time job, like right out of high school where my grandfather worked as his only job, um, out of the military. But basically my uncles never had a job anywhere, but Curry, so they didn't want to give it up. Um, so my dad and my uncle basically sat down in a conference room and basically figured out that, hey, we have a suspension company and an axle company. They look like they're doing about the same amount profit-wise. Why don't we just cut it in the middle? You call that rock jock suspension. We'll call the drivetrain Curry Enterprises, but this way, if Grandpa's still here, he wouldn't be mad that the whole thing for him was money creates sep- you know, separation at some point. A divorce or cousins thinking there's the you know things are equal sure it's never going to work out so my dad and uncle basically sat down put all their assets on the table cut everything in half made it so that everything was equal bef- before anything so there's no unfairness and uh at that point uh my dad basically said all right if I, I'm, I don't want to do this he loves it he loves he still comes to the office every single day but he's he does he was done with the day-to-day all the the computer systems and the processes and the manufacturing was growing but he was also to the point where he didn't want to invest anymore because every time he invested, it was like, okay, five more years before this turns into a profit. It's like, okay, I don't. He's running out of five I'm, more yeah, years. I'm pretty <laughs> much burnt out in five more years. So, yeah, we we came in and um, I came in in February thinking, all right, here we go. Let's figure out how to run Curry Enterprises and, and turn this thing into bigger than it's ever been. And COVID hit. Oh. And that 
literally turned into like welcome to big business <laughs> a, first thing we're dealing with is lawyers on trying to figure out if we can even keep the doors open and trying to get contract we have contracts for the military and we're sitting there trying to figure out to get letters from the military that you know make it so we can stay open and yeah. how, how do we keep employees at our facility right we sure. i do manufacturing that must have worked out for the the, yeah, like the millet? No? Yeah, we I thought never, that was the meal ticket right there. We, that was it. So we never actually, I think we had people work home at home for a week and uh, in the office and manufacturing never shut down, but it was wild. Like just, I've never had to deal with lawyers rather than negotiating a contract. And now we're dealing with, you know, labor laws and, and I live in California. So we got a lot of Labor and laws. Nobody knew what was going on. We went through a lot of the same stuff, and lawyers are kind of oh. like a little wishy-washy. You don't want to commit to anything because they don't want to tell you the wrong deal. It's all uncharted oh. waters. Yeah. We tried dressing up in like fatigues and camouflage. <laughs> like, yeah, we're it's military. Dude, God, military. God bless the USA. You know, right. if, if, if as long as you're building something for us for, for the government, yeah. it doesn't matter how dangerous it is. Yeah, you just right. keep on you doing your thing. Working. Staff up, shit. You know, yeah, like double matter. your capacity. The rest of the world, fucking close your doors. Go yeah. home. Hundred yeah. percent. And it was wild. Like, dude, that was, I mean, I'm sure it's the same here, but do you go into work today? And we were one of the only buildings, you know, we had a full parking lot and you're sitting there like, there's no one else anywhere. Yeah. The freeways were empty. Oh, traffic was amazing. It had to be phenomenal oh, for you in California. Amazing. Like, right. and I live where we live is the biggest nightmare traffic jam ever. We live on the 91 freeway. You Google it. it I live on the Mecca of shit traffic because we're 45 minutes. Well, I'm 40 miles away from LA. So we are the suburbs, you know, from LA. So anyone that wants to actually be able to afford a normal home is where we live. And then you drive into LA to work. So oh. if, for me to leave at seven, if my flight's at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm leaving at four 30 to five in the morning. That's what'd your commute look like during COVID though. Oh, dude. We, I, so we only live seven minutes away or three miles away, but Oh dude, I'm not kidding. There's no one in California that works. And obviously California, everyone in California takes it as far as they can, right? Take three days off. I'll go four just to make sure I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyways, we, uh, so with all that, dude, we, you know, buckle down and just try to figure out how to make it all happen. So the biggest thing for us was just, you know, a lot of the parts that we use are OEM based, you know, from gears and lockers and bearings. Like my dad's bought from the same bearing vendor, Timken, but we have vendors that supply for us and it gets to the point where now we don't have them anymore. You're sitting there going like, like a set 80 axle bearing. What do you, how do you not have them? We bought them for years. Yeah. Yeah. Timken's just not making them. Well, okay, we can go somewhere else. And that was it. There was never like a, no one ever, it always seemed, and I'm sure you guys dealt it even from people like us, but dude, you get promised a date and then that day comes or like, I, I, what do you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. I, I got nothing. I it was it. nice. So to even be promised a date because a lot of times it was just, we don't know. It's just like permanently back ordered. Yeah. No ETA. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after, after it went on, you know, you're like six, eight, nine months into it, whatever. And it, it just, it got to the point where it's kind of like laughable where it's like, what? Oh, you're, you're still calling about that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. We're, we don't have any. Good luck. Yeah. Not going to have them. Yeah. And just like you guys, the hard part for us is, you know, <clears> we <throat> only sell complete rins. We've never really been in the parts business. We just sell complete rins. So without, with, you know, missing one bearing, yeah, that, can. I can't ship anything like so we've actually never, that was something my dad and them uh, really never got into was just selling, com, you know, components or pieces. So we never had any, without shipping complete, their members or complete housings or complete, you know, 
on the off-road side, complete cash for ends. We never had the ability to ship anything. So does that not seem like it was like 20 years ago? <coughs> yeah, it's ancient at this point. Seems like still dealing ever. with the ripples, but yeah, yeah, it does. Well, it's funny now as you go places, you're like, oh, do you guys still have people wearing masks? No, no, no. You're like, oh, but then you go to some places, you go to the airport, you get some interesting people in the airport. Yes. Even, yeah, it's a whole nother podcast <laughs> right there. The ma- you're in a car and they're wearing a mask. You're sitting there going like, you're alone in a car that if you turn on recirculating air, you got a filter at this point. Yeah. The, the mask out- stories yeah. can go on, Dude, the, on, and on. The outdoor ones. The dude riding the, yeah. riding the Hayabusa with no helmet, but a, with the but fucking a COVID mask, mask on. Yeah. What are the right eye, out like, in front of the shop? Yeah, somebody extended swing arm Hayabusa, oh, no helmet, COVID mask. Somebody should sit him down and read him the statistics. Like <laughs> extended swing arm Hayabusa deaths. Like I saw not too long ago. This is a little do- dude in a Toyota Tercel, older dude, mask on, right? Wind is up, and he's smoking. And I see him, and he's sitting at a red light, and I see him pull the mask down and take a drag. And put it back in the car by himself, and no, and the windows up. That thing's just smoke boxed out. I'm like, he looked like you've been smoking for a long time. Like, oh. the the mask is not doing it. You're pulling like, come on. Yeah, it's it, it's it's hard to to watch. Even like that that big like duck bill one that people started wearing. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those yes. are exceptionally off putting because that you literally look at that person. You're like, something's wrong with that person. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I might actually now I'm thinking about putting a fucking mask on. Because <laughs> you go through that work yes. to get that type yeah. of mask. Yeah, you're yeah. You yeah. got something. Yeah. you shouldn't. <laughs> that is good. That is good. So, but yeah. So then uh, during COVID, literally uh, with all the issues, started finding new suppliers, new vendors around the world, and ended up. It's the, some of the blessings is, you know, like we made our own castings. So we now have, you know, a low ping in casting uh, for 60 and a 44. Uh, we have high ping in castings for 44 and 60. Uh, all of our own NRCs, all of our own housing ends. We now manufacture our, um, basically everything. So trying less and less to rely on the basically the OEM suppliers to be able to handle it. So we found some fantastic fl- suppliers to uh, be able to completely handle you know the business as far as keeping the aftermarket alive because i feel like depending on what the oems want the aftermarket you know like a, a company like dana sometimes will the, literally they ju- it's not by choice they're getting put in a bad situation where they have to do what's right for the company well you said they're like i can sit there and say i'll take a couple thousand they're going like that's fine but yeah. jeep needs thirty thousand of these a month yeah so <laughs> you're a couple thousand for the year is just not right. really adding up so, but with that, we've, we've come up with some fantastic product. Um, we started our own gear manufacturer that took longer than I wanted. Uh, but now we actually have for all the new Jeeps, um, and ev- like every 44 and 60, we're manufacturing our own gears, uh, with some quality issues in the past and, and just getting supply. We, we manned up. This is where my dad, the investment ain't going to come back. He's, he's, we're deep now. I got an, I, but the investment's not going to come back for a while, but Quality wise, we, it's the right gear. We know it's going to make the customers happy. And for, you know, for me, I got nowhere to go. And we know that these commitments are going to pay off in the long run. So what did you find on, on delving off into the gear manufacturing itself on what was being done that I, you said you mentioned quality. I would assume a lot of that's probably due to, has noise. Yes. It's all, it's everybody in their car that they think it, well, first things first, half the thing is, Ping and angle will fix most people's problems, but that's a that's a whole nother story. Right. But, uh, what did you identify, you doing it in-house, that you're like, oh, this is why they're all fucking making a lot of noise. 
Yeah. Well, what it, so for us, what it really came down to was around the world, there's different materials. Every they, there's material types that in different country, they have different ratings. So like even on how much of each material is inside of a forging, what we've realized that in certain countries, they can say that it is this quality material, but it, it, in another country that might not even be okay or acceptable. So what we realized is, you know, some of the suppliers were like going to countries that the material was just a really bad quality material. So no matter what cut you put on the gear, that the pattern will eventually lay itself over and you're going to get some noise with materials moving. So with that, we did a bunch of homework. Um, we got some blessings uh, with some companies going out of business um, and a lot of these, you know, companies merging where some, when, you know, like for example, with the foral parts getting bought and then that turning into a crazy merger, a lot of the people that were there are no longer there and a lot of the suppliers that were supplying to them are no longer uh, supplying to them. So they're all looking for more work. So we got some great opportunities uh, to get an advancement on making sure that we had the right machines and the right quality material to go ahead and do it. So we started running them um, in uh, some of our own vehicles in January of last year, but I mean, we didn't get inventory until November of our, basically a week before steam is when we got our inventory in. Uh, but the commitment is the fact that you basically got to buy thousands of every ratio. They don't, there is no like 30 of these and, 500 of these in a thousand. It's yeah, a couple of years supply sitting yep. on the shelf. That, yep. That's the, that's the problem with our industry. It's like <laughs> for this industry, you've got big volume, yep. but in the grand scheme of things, if you're trying to work with any of these larger manufacturers, it's so minuscule. Yeah. It really, so you got to make those commitments. Yeah. And it really is. It's, it's, it's crazy when you start seeing some of the OEM numbers. Cause you always think like, Oh no, no, we're doing pretty good. Like <laughs> in the industry, we're doing good. And then they're building how many F-150s yeah, yeah. a day? hundred <laughs> percent. Your year is there Monday oh, afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's truly insane to see the production. So I, I, I get it, but that's also where I'm like, you know what though? We also need to find there's, I mean, even in America, I think there's a lot of people that can do a great job. It's just, they don't consider themselves uh, like a, a vendor for our type of business, even though they do what we do. So you have to go find them. And that's something even for castings and forgings and stuff, there's great companies in America that do a lot of the same stuff we need, but they don't, promote or market it. So you're, we have to go find those vendors. They're not, not a lot of them are knocking on our door, which makes showing it, up at SEMA. Yeah. They're, they don't even know about it. Like a lot of the stuff they do is trinkets or small things for, you know, a company like that's selling to Walmart. So they are so busy that they don't look at a company that ours and we fit the mold. They just are like, oh, I've never thought about doing See, automotive. It's not, it's not on their radar. That's right. right. So it's, you know, with all that, it's been a, I mean, dude, it's been a hell of a freaking four years. And I feel like, 2024 is, you know, for us is like, it's the new beginning. I started a new, we were 16 months into our new computer system. We went live on one, one of 23. So it's been 12 months of learning that, but we were already in it for 12 months before that. And then the computer system, the technology standpoint of career enterprises is where, I mean, my dad was running to old school, man. He has, we, we are very blessed to have some employees that have been with us for over 40 years. So they don't need to come. I mean, they it's get crazy. The part numbers up there. Oh, you literally sit yeah. there and go like, that is not even in the bill of material. Yeah, I know, but I know I need it. How long has that not been in the bill of material? <laughs> I don't think it's ever been in there. Why? I never What's looked. What's a bill of material? You're sitting there going like, <laughs> they just know exactly what, but so it's like, 
some of those transitions into the new system and trying to train. It was the new well, guys. How do we know when we're out of them? That, well, I know when we're getting low. 100%. <laughs> I, talked to, I just talked to the purchasing guy and he'd buy me more. I'm going like, did the purchasing guy know that? No, he just knows that we need it. let him know when we took the last one. Yeah. yeah. Man, dude, for coming into that business, like I can't imagine a worse Shitstorm. That's like a shit tsunami. COVID, new computer oh. systems. Starting new company, right. manufacturing your own part. Dude. Oh, yeah. And the hard part, I didn't want, I mean, here's the deal. It's much easier to just go place a peel and buy a couple of what you need and keep moving on. It just got to the point where, like, I don't want to be a disappointment. I only want to build the best quality product we can. And I'm, I'm 40 and I'm not, I don't want to sell it because I got my hobbies are way too expensive to go live retired life. You sound like that dude that was on Jackass that just like getting kicked in the nuts. Like the one yeah. like, dude, he just, he, he, I think he yeah, enjoys he getting this, kicked right? in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, well, my, and now here's where I'm at. I'm like, dude, the, if the harder we push now, the more I can enjoy it with my family when they're older. My, my boys are eight, nine, and I got a super fantastic wife that allows me to travel and work a lot, a lot. But man, we have a great group of guys at the office. And like I was saying, the blessing of the computer system was that the guys in the shop didn't need anything. They knew what they needed by grabbing off the shelf. It was wrong and messing inventory up like a motherfucker. I mean, you literally figure out, can't figure out why you're out of something until they tell you that they're just using it on every order. It's just not in, in that piece of paper thing that you yeah, give it, says, it says we've got a thousand of them in stock. Yeah. So <laughs> and the bin's empty. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the computer says a thousand. Yeah. So, but it, well, it worked. Hopping, it, it, hopping back to you went in the Dracar Noir because I had. <laughs> it's not a cologne race. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. One, I'd love to know more about what all that takes and what you're driving. But winning it, first American, were they super accepting of that? So it's wild. Uh, first things, I, I uh, had a five-year deal with K&M to go out and try to win the car. So first year we went to Peru, uh, we, we got fourth place, a bunch of rookie mistakes, um, half on my behalf, some on the team, but overall gnarly good experience. The crazy story is we went to Saudi Arabia and that's where the story gets wild because the same year in 2020, in 2019 is when they started allowing Americans to travel into the country for the first time ever. So we, you know, you're going to a country that People are like, hey, in the city, everyone knows that you're legally allowed to be here. But, you know, when you get further away from the city, which we're racing off road, you know, there's a lot of people that might not know. It'd be like out, a little yeah. more redneck out there. A hundred percent. Like, I have an American flag that's two feet by a foot tall on the side of my vehicle. That's good and marketing. Yeah. With, with I'm those, driving through with those government contracts, oh, did they help you out with like a yeah. drone? Just a little bit <laughs> out of the like, Overwatch. Uh, there was some bombing going on right below in the country, right below us. Uh, very blessed at the hotel. We met some uh, people in the uh, Marines and literally just had phone numbers. <laughs> I had, we got some phone numbers of people within the uh, government that were like, if something ever happens, here's five phone numbers to call no matter where you're at. You get out of jail like, free card. Oof, it's because, man, it's, it's wild to experience. First, to race in a country that the terrain is super similar to our terrain here, which made it good for me. Uh, but you're going to a country that... I got flown over by the, one of the princes um, in November to do some media stuff uh, before the race in January. And when we flew over there, this is where it gets crazy is we flew over there. And like, you know, when you go into McDonald's, there's a male door and then there's a family door. So, you know, if you're a man, even if you're married, but you're by yourself at lunch, you would walk into a single door that it, you'd go into one side of McDonald's that was all men. 
And then you would, if you were with your wife and kids, you could walk in the other door and then that's where like the place that would be and the family would sit. When we went back in January, that wall was being taken down and that those rules were changing. The company the you know, the country is evolving very quickly and it's crazy. Like that's things that you would hear of in a history book here in America and you're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen. Like yeah. uh females driving. That only happened a well, then it was in twenty nineteen is when females were allowed to start, allowed to start driving. Well, it might change that. Yeah, I was like, no one's yeah. gonna touch that. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna stay away from it. Yeah. It's, but it'd be crazy. Give it a year, dude. Like we went out to dinner with. I'm sorry. Uh, we went out to dinner with an assistant of the like Soft. prince, and dude, she drives a Jetta, but she has a driver. Like for a Jetta, I'm sitting there going like, okay, so if you have a driver, that's a Rolls or something. Uh, yeah. Bentley, like something, and, but it's like it's a diesel Jetta, and you're going, like, that's huh. that's true. But it's just because that's how they grew that's, up. That is wild. But yeah, man, we've gotten, so we got to fly all over and travel all over Saudi, which is a very unique experience. So the race is basically 14 days, 6,000 miles. You have this to, is a Can-Am, the side-by-side? Yep. So you drive every day roughly three to 600 miles, and then, you know, you're racing. There is some liaison, which means highway driving. But no matter what, we, you have to drive every day. There, you're sick, headache. Stomach ache, it doesn't matter. There, no one else is allowed to drive the car. That's the rule. The driver's the driver. And and you still got support following you with fuel? Yeah, so and support. So the way it works is once you start the day in the beginning, nothing, no communication to the outside world until you finish. If you there's a box in your car that has your cell phone in it, if you cut the zip ties, that means you've you've told the organization that you're out of the race. Huh. Oh. So you're, so you're no, fixing, you've got to take everything. That's you're right. Fixing you got to take whatever. everything. What about what? You got enough fuel to run. So what they'll do is they put a, they put like this. They're just like oil tankers, like these big gas trucks in the middle of the desert, and you get a time allotment of like fifteen minutes, and you're allowed to go up. You pump gas. So, oh, it's it's, like, it's crazy. And dude, that's like all Mad the, Max. Yeah. Oh, the organization is unreal. I mean, there's five six hundred racers. My team, my just for our team to do that race had sixty people. Because you have you like. Dude, there's physios and there's like, I might have a bus driver like to drove my motor home and then he has somebody with him to make, you know, cause normally the way it works is the drivers would help mechanics all night long and then drive all day. So they need somebody else to help drive during the day. But mechanics, everybody but the semi's driver, they work all night long on the cars. They have to finish by 4 a.m. So we can start between four and 5 a.m. every day. And then they would sleep for the couple hours is it well, shotgun start or class start? No, it's, or time uh, start? So it's all time every day. So however you finish the day before is exactly how you start that next day. So there's, you could literally line up, you know, those, have you seen those trash trucks? Yes. Those, they're faster than anything you've ever seen. I mean, you'll, you, it's insane how fast and powerful those things are, but yeah, you'll be in a UTV and I got six of them behind me going like, okay, we get lost. Five ton trucks are just going to mow you down. Just mow you down. And they are gnarly and fearless. Like, What's your average speed for the day? Um, I would say in the dirt, probably 40 to 45 miles an hour. So the problem over there is there's a lot of sand. So the sand just kills the speeds. And then they put a restrict, they put restrictors on the cars to make it. So that way by doing the restrictor on the inlet makes it where it's, it's easier to like, they keep everyone same. Cause otherwise like, no matter how you tune the car, when you can only get so much air inside the motor, Thing is slow as shit no matter how what. stock is your uh, uh like the the cases of the motor okay 
everything has tube chassis, tube chassis, all complete carbon fiber cockpit, carbon fiber body, and then two spare tires on the back. It holds like shit, I think 50 gallons of fuel. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, you, it's a, you, obviously you're paying attention, but are you, do you, are you up on it? white knuckling the whole time or are there times where you can kind of zone like i mean do you pop in like a podcast and like the hard part is is there's no navig so it's all navigation based so as a team like me and my co-driver together he's you know it's all cap headings so it'd be like all right cap cap 30 well that like at you know you'll drive on a road let's say for it's all kilometers everything you have to learn kilometers by the way but everything's in kilometers. You have to drive six kilometers, and then uh, at six kilometers, you're just going to make a 90 right and cap 30. Well, so if you go five and a half miles or five and a half kilometers, and then no matter what, you're now parallel to where you need to be. So when you get out, you know, 20 kilometers away, you're going to miss the waypoint. And now you got to figure out where it is, which Shit. this is where how you, you would be great at that part of it. So, all numbers. Maybe it's not for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, some things that like I would aspire to do. That's probably just not the, really for me. The driving part, I think, would be. Yeah, I could drive the shit it, out of that thing. It's yeah. the fuck which rock, which rock. Yeah. Fuck, we'll yeah. turn around. Well, it's what, dude. And that's where, like, not, that's where the like you're not driving necessarily 100, percent but he could read notes four or five notes ahead, right? Like he'll be like, hey, in five notes. um, there's a reference point, a uh, set of telephone poles, uh, s- uh, something in the road. There's five tires. So what this is where it comes into like, even if you're lost, if he's, if you're working as a team, you could be like, no matter what happens for the next five things, you said telephone poles, no matter what, I know they're right there. So is there any waypoints in between there? No. Okay. No matter what, if we get lost or we feel uncomfortable, I know for a fact that we'll just hit the telephone poles and then we'll run down the telephone poles. So like, this is where it comes into like being a team and just strategizing how you're communicating because you never want to just be on that note. You want to be don't like, give you too much information, but don't that's give right. you no, and, I don't like, I don't like when people call out like 500 meters, 400 meters. Like I got it, dude. You're literally in a quarter mile. Turn yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> so well, who's but, pre-running this for all the notes and stuff? The organization does it like three months before the race and that's it. So when you don't get to pre-run at all, none, you see none of it. You get to see absolutely nothing. And that's what's wild as well, because I didn't have this problem. But last year, they had weather. Well, the course had to go across water that was flowing at like 40 miles an hour. You just skip it. It was washing, just washing new TVs away completely. Dude, there are people like inside the car, window nets up. But I mean, the hard part is the race organization, they don't call it unsafe until basically somebody dies. So there's people fully suited Shit. swimming with ropes trying to get to the other side so that way they can get like a couple of locals to help hold the front so while the UTV's dragging down the water. But that and the problem is like you can sit there and fight it at the end and they're it's it's FIA. They don't Yeah, I get it. You lost 30 minutes. The th- top three guys didn't lose any time. So sorry, you lost an hour and a half. You're like, well, that's that's it right there. Shit. Yeah. Cock the wagon and forged the river better than Dude, you did. A little Oregon right. trail action. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, and Oh, you do some mountain ranges like we did this one seven foot eleva- uh, elevation, a hundred percent sand dune. Like I look for us in California, we have this mountain called Big Bear Mountain. It it literally be taking the entire mountain and making it sand, and you have to drive from top to bottom. But there's pockets, and then there's the sand, the soft sand areas, 
And then all these areas where if you go up and over, it'll it some areas will just be flat and rolled, and then the next one will be a complete drop off on the other side. And then the other thing is, is like you bring in paddle tires dude, to get through that stuff. I or? wish, I you're not even the problem is you can't change tires. And change then, tire pressure. Yep, yeah, you can do that. But here's the deal: if you want to stop for it, because there might be rocks before it or rocks after it, so you can't really. And there's no, we don't have a compressor on board. So, and if I don't, I wouldn't want to stop. So you just we study the day and then we adjust because. Shocks in the sand, you want to be firmer, but on the rocks, like firmness on the rocks, just it's punctures because now the suspension's holding the tire. So, you know, holding the tire down the ground, making the tire do all the work, which when rocks aren't being driven on all the time, which there it's all fresh train, it literally makes punctures. Like today in Dakar, I don't know if you're following it, but punctures were all over the map today. It's second day from the finish, and they made this gnarly day where People, the guy that was winning it overall got three flat tires and only has two tires. So now his teammate had to wait for his teammate that gave, basically gave him all his tires. Oh, it's gnarly strategy. That's, well, that's a lot. All, all I can think of as you're talking, we're thinking like Dunes, Saudi. I just keep thinking of like a early 2000s Camry, white Camry or Toyota 4Runner <laughs> yeah. winning, winning it. Like right. those oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You're out there like cranking in full race gear and these dudes just <laughs> four, four yeah. deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come hanging out the window like what's, oh, what's what's on two wheels. The Nissan Patrol with a huge yeah. turbo motor. We uh, raced in Abu Dhabi. Uh, like, what, see, this is where it gets crazy. They focus their whole year around focusing on the cars. So like you race in all these countries that have similar terrain so that we can kind of get used to it because they don't ever do it really any other races in Saudi. But we raced in Abu Dhabi and all you could see is like there's these long roads in the sand, like paved roads that at any time there's an intersection, dude, there's burnouts. Every, you, all those videos of the dudes driving backwards at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. That's real. Is it really? <laughs> oh, they it like real, real to the point where like oh. that stuff is going down all the time. Dude, we I've lost hours to Saudi yeah. drinking on Facebook. I think it was even yeah. before Instagram. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like like mid like 2000s, we got on a kick on that, and that was like the hottest the thing. Bicycle drifting. Saudi yeah. drifting. Change, taking the tires off on two wheels. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the shit they can do, I mean, it's true talent. Yeah. You got dudes, I mean, obviously, like, life or death, they don't really, like, fear death. Right. They're up on two wheels, hanging out the passenger side windows, and those fuckers can drive. Dude. Yeah. And it, but it's crazy seeing it, like, there's just these roads uh, out in the middle of the sand dunes, and but you, black tire marks everywhere. I Damn. mean, they are ripping. So, it Dakar, up. the race is different locations every year. So it's like right now. I think the con- so the country helps pay for the rally. So right now they're on a five year contract with Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the, as far as the course goes, yeah, it's basically all over the country. They used to do it in Africa too, yep. didn't they? It's been in Africa, and then it went to uh, I don't even know where it went uh, after Africa. I um, but I do know that it went to Peru for five years, and then I went from Peru. That's I went to Saudi, but I did Peru once, which is another interesting, that's a, just a totally different country as well. Like totally different. And the, the crazy part is the transition, Dakar was designed around like these people sleeping in the outdoors and like, you know, 14 days of like no sleep. And, you know, the goal is to wear yourself out. So your body's mentally drained while your team is mentally drained. And like, by the end of it, everyone is exhausted, but like the real men survive. And dude, now... It's like Prevost motorhomes and <laughs> semis. You get the helmet toter that shows up uh, and hops in. and Dude, there is massage therapists. Oh, <laughs> four of them per team. <laughs> Cooks, chefs, like 
because it's in Saudi, there's a lot of money in Saudi, but there's also a lot of racers that are now getting involved with rally that before it was just about being rough, tough, dirty, no shower for a week. Now it's like there's wealthy people getting involved in the sport, which is like bringing the bouginess out now. I mean, there are some sick ass setups out there for motorhomes and Damn. trailers and stuff like big, really? big money. I, uh, one of the racers has like six, probably 45 foot, uh, like they're freight liners, but I, when not, I think they're mans, um, but they're buses, but each bus is like, he has a hangout and then he has a kitchen and then one that's his personal, like a uh, bedroom. Like instead of doing a motor home where the bedrooms in the back, like he's got five community. It's insane money. It's cool to see, but the evolution of it is definitely changing. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Stumpf, host of the Ironclad original Change Agents. For over a decade, Ironclad has worked with brands and individuals to create world-class films, series, podcasts, and ad campaigns. In fact, I've been working with Ironclad for the past few years. I was introduced to them on a project through the Navy SEAL Foundation. I've worked with them uh, on a variety of projects, even up here in Montana, long before they proposed the idea of Change Agents to me. They're the best in their field. And I say that because there are plenty of people out there looking for the best, looking for the cream of the crop, looking for the top of the triangle. And if you're looking for that, you need to look no further than Ironclad. If you ever need media by way of film, a series, podcasts, or ad campaigns, they have you covered. You can reach out today and follow them anywhere at This Is Ironclad, the ampersand and then this is ironclad or visit them online this is ironclad.com again www.thisisironclad.com what's the like diciest thing you've seen out there between i mean all in peru saudi um for me i would say the hardest thing, well, the scariest part is being in the sand dunes. So your buzzer beeps when you're going backwards because for safety aspect, it'll make sure that if you're if you're going head on with another vehicle, it's not if you're going backwards because you remember you can go any which way you want. Sure. If you're going in a direction that you're going to go head on, your buzzer will beep. The worst in our feeling ever is being in the sand dunes, knowing there's trucks behind you, but now you're going backwards and the buzzer's going off. But the problem is you can't stop because you'll get stuck and then you don't want to be... You don't flat. There's no whips. So like you don't want to be you're I've been starting to crest. You're just waiting for a truck to go the other side. And they said so tall that, you know, that it's it's something that happens. Like, dude, they when they hit you, it's done. Game it's, over. Oh, yeah, it's gnarly because you'd go right under the front and it happens. But that's that feeling of like not having a way to be like, dude, we're on the other side of the sand dune. Like the buzzer's going off. Damn. We need you to go back another, you know, 500 kilometers or, you know, 500 meters to reset. And you're like, dude, I don't even know how to get there. And the problem is like, you want to go on the most traveled path because the sand dune literally, you know, a hundred feet the other way could be super soft sand or a pocket or a witch eye. Cause all that there is, I mean, it's just about as glamorous where dude, you can sit there and completely smoke the front end off your car yeah, doing nothing. So, but that, yeah, that stuff is not, the other thing is, is like, I got followed one time in, in one of the big cat towns. And I don't know if it's cause it was American. We fully ran, but like we had a black suburban follows from on um, like 70 miles in the middle of the desert, all the way into town, every lane, every lane choice. I, I, we were like full blown freaking out in the car, 
can't do anything. You have security at all with you? No, nothing. We were driving down the highway. So what we did, we drove down the highway. He was, I mean, full blown blackout. We were trying to like get next to see what it was like if but ready for anything. But I mean, he was full blown following us. No idea what it was, but we ended up getting into town. He followed us all the way, got off the freeway, followed us all the way there. And then when we were getting to the bivouac where all the racers stay, there was a, cause you normally just wait in line for them to like stamp your card, make sure you're all good. Did I literally fucking cut everybody like 30 or 40 races off? I just drove right to the front. I'm like some dudes follow me, dude. I'm going in the bib. Like, fuck this, dude. I don't tell everyone I'm sorry. It's probably one of those Marines that gave you a Yeah, I know. Like, dude, I just wanted to say What's hi. What's it like when you're on like regular roads and like. Just cruising. No dude. window. Dude, just no stare. Like nothing. Dude. In the first year I went, I had a French uh, uh, co-driver that didn't even speak English. And like, you just get on the highway, just do five or six, cause it'd be. Are you to abide by the local speed yeah, limits? Yeah, but kind of, kind of, yeah, it's gray area. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's another whole crazy story, but you'd just be sitting on the highway, dude. Doing, you have a speed limiter that you're only allowed to go, but yeah, you're on the highway for six hours, just cruising five in the morning. Cause normally what they do is you'll race six hours. And then normally it's about three to five hours of liaison either before or after. So you're like, they could have you wake up four in the morning and then get on the highway for four or five hours and then sure. race after that. Or it could be like from the bivouac, we're going to race and then it'll be four or five hours on the highway. Cause you're putting in some miles every day. But yeah, they're, Oh, like I've been in Peru in the mountain ranges. Promise you're t- you're still have to get to the bivouac before a certain time, dude, windy roads, sketchy, rainy, passing semis, wrong, no, can't see on the other side. And my co-driver at the time, he's like used to it. I'm saying like, I feel like I'm going to die. But he's like, dude, you're just, we're getting late. It's like every corner we're passing cars and shit. So you're racing to the race. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> as long as you don't speed, you're not racing. But the problem is you get to a place and there's traffic. Well, now your clock's counting down. And they usually give you 20, 30 minutes extra. But you know, it goes like maybe five or 10 minutes. Right when the race is over, five or 10 minutes, take your helmet off. Okay, we're done. Now we'll just drive a couple hours back to the bivouac. But then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're, we're late now. Like the traffic in that town, we need to now, you need to drive. It's party. What's, you've done Baja, right? Yeah. So how is the difference? So Baja, like the Baja 1000, I've won that uh, three different times. That's a thousand miles straight. You start, no matter what happens, you're finishing. Like, or you're DNFing and going home. But there's no strategy for the day as far as like having a plan for tomorrow. It's all out. Balls out. That's it. And then on top of that, there, yeah, it's literally you strategize off who's in front of you, behind you, but you're just pushing all day long and, and running flat out wide open. So, but, and to me, that's where it gets different. And you have a, uh, you're allowed to pre-run. You can go down there and spend a couple of weeks, get super good notes, know where you're going to pass people. So it's a totally different process and like of just going out and having more fun. But I love all. And uh, just because you get to, like, the racing aspect of it, in rally, if you're racing somebody, like, they could be driving, which happens in rally, you'll literally be hauling ass racing somebody, thinking, and if your co-driver gets lazy and goes, like, just follow him, and now you're racing, <laughs> I've done it before, where you're literally going, like, fuck, dude, he just went 20 miles the wrong direction. We are following him the wrong way. He turned right. We are supposed to go left. Ugh. And now you're like, well, that's 20 miles back. Now, now you're... 40 miles right. in the wrong direction. But uh, in Baja, you have a course. And you know exactly where you're going. So that sh- now the mindset is like, 
hey, what's over that B- blind rise, keep it wide open, rocks, ditches, and you keep, there's the notes is a different style note. But very much so, uh, it's still wide open fun racing though. Yeah, it's Baja nice. looks like a blast, man. Aren't, aren't the locals like sabotage that? I, I watch it on so, TV. There's like, the booby trap thing. Yeah. So I, it's not, I, it's no. just like everything else, right? It'd be like saying I'm never going to Chicago because it's super freaking dangerous. Hey, it kind of is, didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think really, uh, you know, it does happen. There's some situation, you know, you do have to be careful. But I think just more so just understanding where you're at and what you're doing and you'll be all right. You guys should come down sometime. Dude, I'd love to. It'd be yeah. fun. I could t- we'll take you guys pre That'd be cool. majority of the locals down there. They they're like into it, right? That's oh like yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, it's it's badass. Everyone loves it down there. Like for the most part, everyone loves it. Now there's cartel stuff like that, but just dri- you don't right. drive yeah, places at late at night yeah. and sketchy neighborhoods. Yeah, right. You're just trying to make a living. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or you take a couple bundles for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. So in comparison to Dakar, what's like mile an hour? You're running because you're running fucking wide open out there. So yeah, in Baja, I mean the speeds are probably. Average over a thousand miles is still fifty five miles an hour. It's so yeah. it's the speeds are much greater because you know the terrain. Even though it's rougher because now everyone's pre ran on it and there's whoops. Like the car, there's no whoops because no one's ever created the whoops. But in Baja, there's a shitload of whoops. But you know exactly where you're gonna go. So the speed is you know you basically know how fast you can go without getting in trouble. What kind of car did you run out in Baja? So I built a. I have a all wheel drive. It's basically an all wheel drive trophy truck. So. Uh, I built it so I can race the King of the Hammers and the Ball 1000. So it's it's got like a 930-ish horsepower LS motor in it. It's got a 4L80. Um, and then we have a, it's a Fortin transfer case with a Sprague gear in it on the front. So basically it doesn't put any load on any of the drivetrain uh, under braking. And then it's just got one of our independent center sections in the front and then straight axle in the back. It's uh, 24 inches of travel in the front and I think... 29 in the back Damn. so coilover bypass and air bumps all the way around so it's a that's a fun let's pre-run that then yeah that's yeah, a fun, yeah. It's a fun little <laughs> toy there <laughs> honestly the best thing to pre-run in is utvs that the market is cha- i mean speed wise and fun wise dude it's just unreal what you can do in a utv like if you guys honestly came down to mexico or any event for that matter i could Dude, I'll, you'd literally have a blast in a UTV. So you just go all day long. That yeah, sounds like that trip. June, June, if you want 500s in June, thousands in November. Thousand, you know, it could be, well, okay, look, it could be cold for us Californians, right? It could be. Yeah, we're still shorts in November. Yeah, 100%. Oh, you would literally, yeah. I got it. My semi driver's from Wisconsin. He's always wearing shorts yeah. and it's, in California. It's like, it's never cold. I'm like, <laughs> so, but honestly, you guys should try to come out sometime. Be a remote oil and whiskey podcast from, oh. from the 500. I'm that'd down. Be, yeah, that'd be cool. So you, you you mentioned earlier that you know uh, granddad and dad nobody wanted any anybody working there. So you this is all new to you. So back one, how did how you know how did you get to start in motorsports? What you racing? What jobs did you have before since you couldn't work for the family business? So I uh, right at a, or in college, uh, like two years in, started like I was in business management marketing. Uh, I wrote like a business proposal strategy for a motorcycle shop and literally uh, started a dirt, an online dirt bike shop and actually had a couple employees was doing really good. And my dad had the idea. I was trying to go racing, which is a crazy story, but how that happened, which will twine in is I went to dinner with my dad and actually a, a marketing guy that worked at D 
Detroit Locker Eaton, and they were in California pitching Nissan, like concept cars for SEMA, like, you know, back in the day, the dollar car, well, they still sure. do, but the dollar car deal and their ideas got turned down from Nissan. So they threw out my idea that I would like, I was like, Oh, if I ever got to build a freaking car for SEMA, this is what I do. Well, that my idea got accepted by Nissan. <laughs> so that dude called my dad and was like, you're not going to believe it. They actually liked your son's ideas more than ours. So if he wants to build a car, you can build it. So I literally built a Nissan. Uh, it was a, uh, 2008 is when the, uh, Nissan Frontier came out, the new body sound Nissan Frontier came out. So I built this bitch in like short course looking truck and then had to go present it in front of uh, everyone at Nissan. All the dudes at Nissan came out and were like, hey, we hear that you want to race off-road trucks. If the opportunity ever came, we'll sponsor half the budget of what it would take to run the rest of the year. All you have to do is come up with half. Hmm. So without ever driving anything. So I literally busted my ass and I was own I owned the dirt bike shop. Well, my dad's like, you have a super successful business and you're going to throw it all away to go racing. He's like, so he had a friend, Kurt LeDuc, who's like a, a big offered racer. And he was like, Kurt, go tell Casey that, you know, this shit ain't going to work. So Kurt came and talked to me. He's like, look, dude, where you're at in your life, like you can't have multiple ventures going on. Like you, it's all in on one thing. That was his whole deal. He was like, you need to stay committed to one thing until you're really good at it before you go venture off onto something else. Cause having two things grow at the same time, is just not going to work. So I was like, you're fucking absolutely right. I literally listened to my dirt bike shop that night. And my dad's like, you fucking uh, you didn't it. tell him the wrong. You, you told you're a little me, vague. You went the wrong way. So my dad was like, it went the wrong way. Appreciate <laughs> the advice, dad. Right? Like, issue there. So I, uh, dude, you're I the best, literally <laughs> sold my dirt bike shop. And, uh, it was funny. I sold my dirt bike shop. And Nissan came with money, sold the dirt bike shop, used some of that money. Uh, Did you double the budget for Nissan yeah, so that they paid half, which was still the whole yeah, thing? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was their factor team. I didn't even have, it was their whole involvement. So it was actually a pretty amazing deal. And then uh, Nitto Tires came on board, paid the other half. We went racing. And then from there, that whole deal just evolved and it just kept evolving. And where the transition to Curry was when Nissan... It's crazy how new CEOs change everything. But like in June of, I think it was 2009, they got a new CEO <coughs> and we got a call from our motorsport director going like, look, I'm getting let off. There's no more motorsports. Um, they com they don't want to do racing anymore. They're going to go do tennis. And all the, the mo motorsports money is going to go towards tennis. So just letting you know. So I told myself, I was uh, in 2012, I was like, well, dude, I'm not going to run the body for free. Like, screw that. I might as well just go do something that'll help my dad's company. So I went and I rented a Jeep uh, body. I, rent, I went to a U-Haul or a Penske and I rented a Jeep. I went to a fiberglass shop and had him splash. I molded the whole thing, created a mold, <laughs> put it on my race car. And I was like, fuck it, dad. I'm just going to, uh, I'll rock it. So that way all my sponsors were like, I'll just rock a Jeep and we'll put curry on it. So at least I can help curry, like stoke you guys out. Well, it ended up being that, at the time, I was with BF Goodrich Tires, and a couple other brands were like, dude, Jeep is one of our biggest markets, but there's no one racing Jeeps. Like, dude, we this is a great, like, marketing tool. We'll turn it into... I want to go back to the dude that rented that Jeep after <laughs> oh, the fact. I know. Like, there's shit yeah. all over there's this yeah, thing. Uh, everywhere. It's like, this thing smells like resin. Dude, like, we were... <laughs> claying all the gaps. We were, and like, what the oh, you literally... We had <laughs> slime and it you all... You slid the, right past that story. That was the best part. Oh, right? <laughs> What's funny now, looking at it, is like... We literally borrowed a Jeep for three days and, <laughs> uh, oh man, I remember pulling it off in one piece because we were so stressed out that we didn't want to have to do it again. 
Because I also didn't want to mess the body up on the Jeep to get flagged for something going yeah, on. that's like $50 a day rental, too. Yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> no, dude, we literally, it was, we, all I did was go to a boat shop. Uh, they're making, they're making boats. I didn't even go to a race car shop. I went to a boat shop and uh, literally asked him to just make a mold. And we've, oh, dude, it was, it, that is a good story. But we literally <laughs> were putting every sort of wax on the vehicle we could to make sure that the resin yeah, pulled. didn't peel the paint. So yeah, and anyways, after that, like the evolution, uh, I ended up buying a building next door to Curry Enterprises uh, Racing, and then with that, uh, yeah, when uh, everything was going good, rocking it, and then whatever she had four years ago, my dad, when they made that decision, it just I feel like uh, my grandfather, he helped. He was a huge advocate of everything I did. He, like all my cousins, super successful, all of them had the degrees. I dropped out of college. That's my claim to fame in the family. I'm the only one that dropped out. Started making money. I was like, dude, screw this. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm better making money than going to school. But yep. all my cousins were very successful. But uh, my grandfather, like humongous car guy himself, and just he loved everything I was doing as well. So he supported me. And like, I feel that everything he did in life uh, at his older ages was aligned me for the right opportunity for things to happen. And in 2019, if where I bought my building and my grandfather was a part of the purchase of my building. And he really helped make sure that everything went right when I was buying it because I was so young and buying a building in, in California. Uh, when he did that, literally it felt like he aligned it. So when the time came, I was like, I was ready to go. Like I was, I never worked at Curry. I never got a paycheck from Curry, but from 2014 to 2020, I was at Curry every day. I knew every employee. I knew exactly the process. I knew everything going on. Just a huge advocate. I loved, obviously, I love rear ends, and I love cars, trucks, Jeeps. And uh, so the transition over was really, like, it actually didn't go very hard because I already knew kind of where, right. what I would do differently. You still got the race shop now? Yep. So I still have the race shop, but I... So I'm glad that I'm glad that piece of advice really stuck with you about being all in on one thing with the race shop and then oh. you know, a new business and then oh, let's go ahead and do a new computer system. Oh, fuck oh, COVID. Yeah. Let's start a new ring of pinion gear well, company. <laughs> you got to have somewhere to throw all the money away. Right. right? Oh, well, the crazy <laughs> thing was, does a pretty good job of that. Exactly. Yeah. The, bl shop. the blessing that I had during COVID was, and I will say like one of my big sponsors is Monster Energy and like, did they are truly one of the most amazing companies. They run it like it's a small company. The CEO, still looks at everything that the, the company is very passionate about their athletes. If you know, they don't actually do any marketing the normal way, right? They do all their marketing through athletes and through about ambassadors and events. And when I was like, Hey man, I'd really like, I really want to start looking at like focusing my race program kind of around current enterprises, meaning like I want to race the trophy Jeep that runs all my dad's, you know, axles. And I really want to do more events that are Jeep related or, you know, car related. And they were literally like, yeah, fuck it. We'll change everything. Literally like at this point, you don't, we don't need to focus on all the other things that you were doing and living wildly. And they're like, whatever you want to do, we'll just tie it with Curry. And so now like monster is a huge sponsor. And a lot of the events that we go to for Curry, uh, monster ties in, like they take really good care of my dad for going to events. And then my dad, you know, like, it's kind of now my marketing. I'm like, Dad, I need you to drive a Jeep and go to this event and hang out. Just be the guy. It's the opposite now. Cause yeah. I'm like, yeah. I got to stay back. I hate that I have to, like, dude, I cannot leave. But the whole ERP thing, I'm like, every day I leave, they'll sit there and make a decision in the beginning of the ERP. We all sure. know, you guys all know that 
you can make a decision today that six days later, you can't go back and revise that because it's six days of other changes that basically go, you'd have to go back and reset everything. So anyways, during COVID, uh, my dad did a lot with Monster, and but the tie together made it where it was really, it really allowed me to focus on Curry and every event. Monster loved all the lifestyle events we went to, and then the racing being with my trophy Jeep was that it was bitching loud, and it tied into everything that they wanted, and it tied into everything that Curry had going on at the same time. Damn, be cool. So it's been a, it's been a, but yeah, dude, I got race shop and Curry. It's an adventure for sure a lot of things going on yeah what's your grandpa's story where where did he come from what was he doing so dude my grandpa was in the military and when he got out of the military he lived in orange california uh, which is where we were 15 miles away from there today real big movers uh <laughs> but he um started working for a company called taylor dunn they make industrial golf carts i don't know if you ever heard of them they're like yellow yellow industrial carts for like the ones that run around SEMA. All the that's time. right um, and what he, he, him and my grandma were like number two and three employee for Taylor Dunn. Um, and he helped on the process side of it. He was a big process manufacturing guy and all those golf carts ran nine inch ends. and that Did they really, yep. Yeah, all of them. So a lot of the Taylor Dunn, if you look back at Taylor Dunn carts, they got a nine inch for them and that literally good yeah. source for pro street cars. Yeah. Then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, little yeah. tiny little things for everybody that doesn't know that yeah. if you're scouring Facebook marketplace, no, so were, they, where were they getting those from junkyards, junkyards, so, and cutting them down, cutting them down. So that's where basically my grandpa, this is where it gets crazy. <clears throat> my grandfather never actually worked for Curry enterprises. What he did was while well, he had four sons and they're all expensive. So what he did was create a side side hustle and his side hustle was building rents for Taylor Dunn. So what do you do on the nights and weekends when my oldest uncle um, was old enough to drive? Like he went and they got a, a big old uh, cab over truck and they would go to junkyards torching out rents. You make the story sound like he was taking care of the sons, but you realize that was just, you've got kids. Those are, that's cheap yeah, labor. 100%. Oh, oh, <laughs> dude, my dad and uncles, uh, like my uncles have never, from like 12, 14, 16, They've never had another job, and that's all they've ever done. Like, Curry is true. If you really look at, like, how I look at it now, like, I'm obviously here to grow the business. I went to school. I, I blessed to be around all these companies and blessed to have a company that has a fantastic foundation. My dad and them just loved it. It was never about the growth. It was never about going out and trying to figure out how to make this thing grow into something big. They just truly loved what they did, and they loved the industry and everything else. But that's where... It gets wild. Those of my grandfather did all that until the kid, my dad, I think was 17. He was uh, right out of high school. He went to work for Taylor Dunn for like four months to, being an engineer. And then after that, my grandfather was like, dude, look, I'm going to retire from Taylor Dunn, but I'm also going to retire. And you guys need to just buy Curry Enterprises, which the reason it's Curry Enterprises is my grandpa was like, I'll do anything for a dollar. I'll, I'll hustle on the side. And well, basically, he was also doing VA conversions. His bit, he was a, all his buddies. He was doing all the VA conversions for his buddies. So like in and Jeeps or uh, no, no, no golf carts, trucks. It was uh, okay. I can't, it was F one hundreds with the what's that Chrysler big the big block Chrysler motor, four sixty. I, I I can't remember Cobra Jet the four. Uh, I don't know. I that's see this is where. My dad telling the story would be better at it, but but he's he, calling it Curry Enterprise because he never knows what's the next. He does, that's right. He'll do it's anything. Just, he'll do anything. That, his whole thing is he all he wanted to do was make enough money to make sure the family was good. So that's that 
he literally uh, went. So that's where the crazy part is, is my grandfather created curry and the rear inside just to funnel rear ends to uh, Taylor Dunn. And then my dad and uncle started there. And then my dad and uncles were into building Jeeps and uh, they were super big into like muscle cars and hot rods like my grandfather was. So they just started building rear ends out of junk. Like literally you take them, put them in an oil tank, pull, get all the grime off them, cut them down and respline some axles. That was something my grandpa did. He figured out the program to make it so he can spline his own axles. So it's a pretty unique little story there that he uh, literally found the program. He made his own program to spline the axle, like all one cut. Everything gets done in a way that the axle rotate, you know, rotates in a way that everything is done the right way. And dude, we've been running the same program since like the seventies. It's crazy. Still running it to this day. Your machine secret recipe, huh? That's cool, man. Your grandpa sounds like a hell of a dude. Oh, dude, he is a, and the crazy, he was just a family man. He never, he's the same way as my dad. They never, he just did it because he loved it. Same with all his cars. He was like super big. I was actually listening to one of your podcasts yesterday on the way here and with Jesse James. And, you know, it's crazy hearing Jesse talk about, you know, him working for Boyd because my grandpa had a car built by Boyd. And I guess at the time, Jesse was a fabricator there. And Jesse welded a roll cage. My grandpa wanted to go 200 miles an hour, so he built a 1932 Roadster. And then Boyd helped build it and stretch it and then put the cage in. And then Jesse helped weld the cage together to make Damn. it so it's legal. How that's crazy because that's... How the welds look? look right? decent? Or? Yeah, it, it's funny. It's still there. The whole thing is still sitting on the floor. I want to go... I Let's get do, some pictures of that. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I went out. My goal, I want to go 200. I want to beat... I want to drive faster than he did. That's what I want to think. In I've the never same been... car? Uh, no, because now, dude, the rules have changed so much. It would ruin the car now. The rules have gotten crazy on the roll cages. So I wouldn't, the car has been completely restored and it's, it's yeah. showpiece now. Yeah, it's a showpiece. But I'd like to go, I'd like to do 210. I don't want to go any faster. Just double the power in the all wheel drive trophy truck. Right? I'm sure it'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like a freaking, that thing's like a, a brick. Sale. Doesn't oh, yeah. it just, you get there pretty quick. I mean, what that thing probably does 120, 130. 130. Yeah. So, but yeah, he, my grand, but it, the crazy, like Marcel, you know, the body guy, yeah, like Marcel his son, Luke is my, our neighbor. Really? How we, what's he doing nowadays? Is he does, he still does metal work on, he still does metal work for some of those, like the big fendered cars yeah. that like Delahaye's yeah. and Bugatti's. And then he actually just built himself a complete, his own car. Like he had a frame built and built his, I saw that. That's right. Complete. Can we see that? Pretty crazy little Grand build. National ass. Maybe. Uh, he did. I had it at SEMA, I think, a year ago. Yeah, that's a talented family. So, He's oh, still building bodies for Rick Dorr on those things. I don't know. He was building I don't those. Actually know him. But he's a little, so he has his shop is in the front of his house on our street. It's crazy. It's shit. You know, like, you just learn wow. all this from COVID. Like, we learned who all our neighbors were because just like anyone else, like. You didn't know that beforehand? Uh uh-uh. uh. That's a good resource if you need, like, a little oh, right? shapely I, little fender flare or he's something. He's got, uh, dude, the tools he has in his shop are phenomenal. And, like, I've heard stories of his dad and all the work his dad has done. And it's, it's crazy seeing all those, you know, all those tools. And he still has a lot of that stuff in there, but it's, it's pretty wild. But anyways, these stories though, of coming back, it's crazy. Cause my grand, like my grandpa was so into it, like, and his connections of, you know, him and Boyd were friends and my grandpa, <coughs> grandpa was into real estate and rented uh Boyd's wheel company was in my grandpa's building. Shit. So my grandpa ran Boyd wheels on everything he owned. So he's like, nuts. What did and, you do when he defaulted on the... But 
It went to rent. That's why he had wood wheels. Everybody will always have wood wheels in the Curry family. In perpetuity. Yeah. But yeah, he was a dude, just a gnarly car guy. And he and Jeep guy, like he... He loved it all. And then I think all, I literally see my dad and my uncles are like, a li- they're 30% of my grandpa. My dad is super into off-road racing. My uncle's super into jeeping. And my, I have another uncle that's uh, just really into muscle cars and, and loves it. And like somehow I ended up in the shit storm of like being good friends with my uncles and my dad and my grandpa. And wow, dude, I got a shitload of cars. I'm, Damn. I'm that guy. I'm well, dude. I'm I'm no different than you guys. I tour in your shop. I feel it's way better talking right <laughs> here because like it's, your shit probably runs though. Ours nah, is all like no, I got, know, half disassembled. No, I, got, and, I got a Camaro that has a rattly uh, glove box. Yeah, that, that one runs right now. It's done. I, but now I got a Mustang that I moved the motor back, and then when I moved it back, I didn't have to cut the firewall out, and then I cut the firewall out, and then I had to cut the transmission tunnel out, and then then I got into that, and then it's like we should move the radiator, and that's. Snowballs. Yeah. It's tough when you just like everything. You know, it sounds like, I mean, you're in UDVs. I mean, fucking trophy trucks. You run into car. You like boats. You like muscle cars. I don't do the boat thing like you guys. I like boats. I just, the boat I own, I bought, I just drive it. And if it breaks, I go to the shop. It's under warranty and they fix it. Yeah. I got the boat thing gets out of hand quick. Cause it's no different than cars. Also, yeah, you start learning yeah. about. Dude, it gets super. I, I tried like dipping my toes into it and get like my dream was always. I grew up in a, like a eighties, nineties kid, so I loved cigarette boats. Oh, the fucking cigarette Top Gun was the shit, <coughs> right? So before like the market blew up and they went crazy, I got a ninety six, right? All fucking neon colors, yeah, so super rad. Nineties, <laughs> so, dude. It's about like today, that's fucking bad. I mean, it's like super yeah. in style, right? The nineties shit, but big blocks and everything. And I smoked one drive in it and I'm like, I'm watching like these motors and just thinking like oil pressures fluctuating on the one. And I'm like, I don't want to sign up for like rebuilding these fucking motors. I'm like, I'll fix this drive and this fucker's gone. I'm done with (laughs) done, done with this. That's, that can be an expensive hobby, but I, I got in and out of it before it costs any money. Yeah. I I'm trying to stay away from the boat thing. It's wild. I'm not, I mean, I'm very novice on the boat stuff, but so wild to me that you never meet that guy that's had that boat for 25 years that's my boat that's my it's always they just got it no matter how old it is yeah. and they keep it for like 18 months you know the dude, brand new one and the dude who's got like the 86 like 32 foot chris craft that says uh-huh. misbehaving on the back <laughs> that dude's he's had that had he's fucking yeah. had that thing forever right uh, so otherwise yeah. they cycle through them yeah, yeah. Right before it's about to get expensive, it becomes the next guy's problem. Yeah, he has like to spend some money on it. And it's a hot potato. <laughs> What's wild, like for us, is like 2007, 8, 9, dude, it, like we have a place at the river in Havasu and it was getting ridiculous. The boats were getting insane. And then like 2010 to like 2017, it was yeah. more back down to yep. like 21, 25 foot boats. The boat industry disappeared for like yeah. 10 years, just but gone. I would say in the last like four or five, COVID, yep. but, and even right before COVID, the boats again, now it's the, Dude, the inboard, the out, or the outboards with, you know, the 450, 550, or 550s. Yeah. 13, the, 750s on the back of it. Dude, the boats yeah. are getting, now they're, we're at, we're in Havasu, like 300 miles from the ocean and there's 40 foot center consoles. Yeah. Going like, 
There's not even a wave. Yeah, the water's <laughs> flat. Where's, there's yeah. going to be a ripple, maybe. But right? the boat, the boat industry has completely gone back. Same with the sand car industry. The sand car industry was a lot of UTVs. Now yeah. you're seeing cars with, dude. Is the sand car stuff coming back? Oh, big time. Big yeah, time see, right it, the sand car stuff like died, oh, gone. Big time. And then it's, it, it seems like it's coming back. The problem with it, like the UTVs are so fucking <laughs> convenient. Yeah. You know, and that's like, I've got the sand carts in pieces right now. <laughs> But you constantly find yourself like, I should just sell it and get a UTV. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's like but a the, job. But the big ones, like twin turbo yeah. UTV, or uh, twin turbo, like sand cars are coming back big time right now. You can't beat, like that fucking thrill. That, oh, I think that's the number out of anything motorsports, anything I've ever driven. I've never done crazy yeah. shit like you. But the thrill of that, like 1,200 horsepower in a lightweight sand car, Oof. it's every motorsport crammed into one. It's like a giant dirt bike. Right, it's the yeah. acceleration's like a drag car. It's just everything right there. You jump it, do it's like in anything car. The uh, T- uh, Tatum, who is like the, the owner's daughter of Tatum Motorsports, she worked for Monster Energy for a while. Okay, so like she, they went out to Glamis with us one time, dude. Try like some of the big cars they give us rides in in the dunes, and you're sitting there going like, this is out of control. Yeah. Like you can go, so, it it feels like you're floating in the dunes, and when you're duning it just with that much power. To go up and be able to pull that, like the handbrake and just rip it. Yeah. That you're, there is no other feeling like it. And sitting passenger scares the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, being a driver. How does it work on oh, a passenger God, side? God, dude, I am not a fan, dude. Yeah. Just sitting there, just every time I can tighten up my seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't gotten into, you don't have a sand car? Nope. Just UTV? Just UTVs. Like being that, like a factory race on the UTV side, it was just easier. Plus, yep. like I said, I already got the motor thing. Dude, they're pulling their motors out every season. Yeah. And yeah, dude, I got a Razor Turbo and he's got the Tatum long travel sand car. I think I put gas in mine and that's the extent of it. It's four years old. I put, fires a, up I put a belt time. on it once. You, when yeah, I borrowed you it, drove, yeah. you put a belt on it. <laughs> What's the he's UTV to get? If the guy's going out there to get right now. The new one, the Pro R, non-turboed. It's it's 2,000 cc's. And, well, the Can-Am? No, the Razor. The Razor. Polaris okay. Razor. But it's four-cylinder uh, it's like 230 horsepower stock. The way they designed the belt and where the belt is, it runs like 40% cooler than a turbo belt, whether it be a Can-Am or a Razor. The, where the belt location is in front of the motor. So it's the box is so big that it runs way cooler, way more efficient. So now belt temperatures are way down, which belt temps is what spikes and blows them up. But uh, the car in California, you don't have to wear... You don't have to wear a helmet. Not that I'm promoting not wearing a helmet, but because it's over a thousand cc's, it's considered a car. So you can actually not have to wear a helmet and get a ticket. Um, but overall, like, they're a little, sus- I mean, well, you guys are in a suspension, but like, it's the first car that the front coilover is mounted off the bottom arm instead of the top arm. Where if you look at like a standard KM or an older Razor, they have the upper arm completely beefed up and strong as shit to hold the coilover. And then the bottom arm is two pieces of tube where you're like, if the car bottoms out on the ground, the, those two pieces of tube are what are going to get, or that's what's going to hit the rocks. It's totally backwards for an yeah. off-road car. So Polaris did a phenomenal job of like going back and just not evolving off of an existing platform. They just changed it all. Every Damn. bolt's bigger. The uprights are bigger. The bolt, I mean, every bolt, the axles, the front div, the transmission in the back and the rear diff are, I mean, insanely built. The car, that industry is firing right now. So from a, like a professional, I've been watching that crazy Can-Am, which just, it's hard to, hard to love it. 
like that it, new one with the yeah what's your what's your take on that i i, I get I, it i, get I, I understand concept. as the geometry goes i understand right. but for for me the hard part is if you really look at the chassis they did not strengthen the weakness of the chassis so they're those cars have been known right behind the uh the back of the air to have some weak links as far as creating cracks in the frame and they didn't fix any of that so like the thing still has some weakness to it where you know, they, they evolved, they evolved off the existing platform and did a lot to make it better. But to me, there's still some weakness. And that's where I look at the razor. Dude, they just went and made a whole new frame and put all new parts on it. So that's also a six speed sequential, right? Yeah. Which the can really? Yeah. 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 Which the Razor or the Yamaha that never really took off. I thought it'd be bitching to shift. I like that's my that's my one hang up with UTVs. Not shifting. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's never you're never in the the power power band where you want to be. But I also think that after time, like you sit there and go like, the people that are shifting, it's like they're all even when you're like, okay, I just want to take a breath. You're always shifting. Like even when you're just taking the family for a little putt around, it's first, second, third. I it's funny actually. I built a Camaro with the sequential in it. And that was the worst thing I ever did because you're always shifting. Yeah. No matter what, you have to shift up and down. You can never go to neutral and yeah. let it float, right? When you're in fifth, you've got to get to neutral. But Yeah. What do you do then? Because you're so into this shit for your kids, your boys. Like It seems like for me, I get my son's 12. Oh, really? And since he was like 10, there's nothing that exists for like a kid that wants to go fast. You know, like, cause you get the yeah. little razor, was yeah. it a one ten, yeah. which is like a, it's like a toy. Yeah, and he'll, he'll break that thing in half. Right. I uh, so. What are they? What are they rocking? I'm uh. So I'm doing the whole motor motorcycle only thing. I want them to understand that. Okay. You know, when you crash, the consequences. It costs yeah. Well, like for me, <laughs> like you put them in a UTV and they go and roll it over. If they, if they think that's normal, then they're gonna get in a bigger car and think that it's okay to fuck it up. So like my thought is like break a leg. I'm gonna like teach him. Yeah. Dude, well, if you want to go, yeah, ride, if you're gonna go ride, I don't want to like do an, that anymore. Yeah. If you're gonna ride like an idiot, like you're gonna be the one that gets fucked up. Yeah. So like, but I also think that like dirt bike riders become the best at everything. Like in our industry, if you look at a guy like Jimmy Johnson, and you know you look at some of these top racers in all forms, do they all have a motocross background? They might not have been pro, but they all came from dirt bikes. So I, it's tough. I'm going to get my kid, uh, into go-kart racing. Okay. That's yeah, I looked into that for my son. How, how old's your kid? Uh, my son's nine. Oh, okay. So I'm nine, nine and eight. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at doing the go-kart thing. I, there's just nothing around here. It's like an hour and a half, two hour drive oof. to get to a track. Yeah. It's, it's tough. That's the tough thing with everything with like, you know, California kids versus Midwest kids. Like my son's a skateboarder. That's what we do. We, you know, but really? he doesn't have the, like the luxury of just like, outdoor skate parks like right in town all fucking year round and then you go like four of them within three miles of our house you go out like we go down to florida you go out to california and these kids are just fucking unbelievable because that's they could do it all day long every day but i think with motocross and all that yeah but i also look at it like and that's what one of my concerns is these like my oldest son is like he's super talented but i also worry that he's like because he's so around it that he doesn't care as much and that's one of my fears is like I don't want him to grow up just going, like, sure. I can do what I want. It's like, no, you can't, dude. You're either in or you're out. Like, I don't want you to be that kid that just has a talent, but you put 60% effort into it because yeah. you think you can't, you know, you're blessed to be able to do it when you want. Sure. So, but I have, the, it's, yeah, we, I have, the, it's, I'm growing up right now as far as uh, trying to do what's right for the kid thing. Cause I've never played sports in my whole life. I, you know, I raced motocross growing up. My dad loved it. I loved it. And then. 
now I'm like, I want my kids to be around teams. Like having employees has really made me understand that some people of my, suck. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, my, some of my biggest, some of the best employees I have are like now that I'm uh, like being around them more is some of the best leaders in my, at Curry Enterprises are ones that were like leaders of a, a soccer, you know, team sports. Team, yeah. Team sports. But like, yeah, they were the one that was like, Oh, I, you know, I was the captain on a football team and you're like, that doesn't mean anything except for the fact that like, Hey, you might be having a bad day. So, Hey, can you, can you not be so fucking hard on him today? And like, he's really good at like making the morale in the shop better. And I'm going like, fuck dude, I've never even realized that. Like yeah. if you're having a shitty day, we all talk shit and that's just what we that's do. The, that's every single person I've ever hired. It's in like the interview thing when I talk about it, it doesn't necessity. It's not a make it or break that's it just thing. It's the Alabama football thing with you. No, I doesn't make you fuckers are bred for that shit. It doesn't make it or break it of like if you're going to get hired or whatever. It's just kind of learning about your background. It's, hey, tell me a little bit about how you grew up, blah blah, and then what team sports did you play? You know, and it tells you a little bit about that kind of that person. You know, and again, doesn't mean you're going to get hired or not, but like, oh yeah, you know, I played baseball, I played football, I played soccer, I did this, blah blah. Okay, no problem. You've you've dealt with adversity. That's right. You've probably dealt with a coach that like maybe oh. talked a little mean to you. You know, or you've 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 felt losing. And you kept it and you didn't like it, you know, and it, it teaches a lot of things about somebody, you know, playing any yeah. type of sports. Yeah. I actually Pick have a teammate I, to get the rest of the team going better. Yep. Yeah. I have We're all like, in this so, together. All that, all that type of stuff. I actually, that's one of my like things that I've learned about like being a dad around team sports is my oldest son that puts half effort in because he's, he's got the talent, but he does half effort. Like this year, my youngest son who to, he's, he has to push harder and work harder to be better at things. Dude, his football team went and won the championship. And my son, I'm like, dude, just because you put in 80% half the games, I'm like, now your brother's a champion. That shit's on his fucking collar. For we just talked life. about that the, the other podcast. Yeah. Being born with, with talent or work ethic. Dude, yeah. my, my young... That's a great my, example. But I watched my oldest son, literally a fire was lit. I'm going like... Every, I'm sitting and telling him, like, your brother literally... You talked shit on him because he was trying so hard all year long and you were fucking hanging out with your buddies, not trying as hard. And like, look at what happened. Now it, he's the guy. We're celebrating him tonight, not you. And dude, it's like, <laughs> but it, by doing that though, it literally got yeah. him where he's like, fuck that, dude. Like, uh, I'm ready. I'm I want some like, ice cream. No, right. winners get ice That's cream. That's fucking A. <laughs> Whatever he Give me that piece for what, closers. Dude. Oh, man. And it was crazy. What, like, but watching my kids, like, grow up and being in that competitive I first I'm I'm super competitive obviously we probably are competitive but I I love to win and like seeing my youngest who like I know is trying hard and not maybe blessed with all the skills like yep. fuck man that hard work dude it, it shows every time dude he goes out there and puts so much effort into it and like to win That's and awesome. like watching my oldest going like it, you're never going to win I and you might get lucky but that a championship is not luck winning some Winning some games could be luck, but it's, it's, still, it's the it's the one constant. It's the one thing you are that you can control. Yep, that's right. You are completely in control of your destiny when it comes to how hard you work and how much effort you put into. It doesn't guarantee a victory. Yep. But if 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 you know when you lay your head down at night that you gave it a hundred percent, you can almost be more okay with whatever that outcome is. Because if it's like. I was way more talented than that kid. Well, the, the, he beat you. I mean, I could have if I would have. That's right. I mean, I should have done this and I should have done that. Well, guess <clears throat> what? You're still a fucking loser. That's like, right. That's what's going to be, you're branded with. You yeah. should have went fucking harder. Yeah. No, 
See, that's where I'm, I'm short. I'm fucking not the most in shape fit guy here, but that's all for me. I'm like, I'll just outwork everyone. If I have to, I wake up early every day and I'll grind. Like I love to work. I, that's the only, like my youngest me and him, like we got a lot similar to him. That's where I'm like, dude, as long as you work hard, I can go, you'll go anywhere you want in life. But I, I know that hard work will outpay anything all day long. Right. Hell so, yeah. But it is fun, dude. The kid thing is, dude, watching them grow up and learn all this stuff and being a dad, learn all it's like, dude, it's freaking crazy right now. Like, oh yeah. All these, li- and being, that's one thing COVID was the biggest blessing for me. I traveled, I was traveling 30, 40 weeks a year for the, you know, from 2015 to 2020. I was traveling almost every weekend, if not every week of the year. That's just what I did. My wife understand, very blessed to have her, but we, fully were invested in my career and no one else's, even though I had kids, everything came. They were super young then though. Anyway, you know, yeah. don't yeah. remember yeah. a lot of yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but COVID though made it realize that dude, they're only, yep. they're, and they're, they're only older. young once. Yep. And they're that shit. Like now that they're eight, and nine, like I, I don't want to be that. Well, if, if I would have never, my concern was if COVID never happened, would I have never seen it and just huh. live that style of life right. forever. I look at COVID going like, dude, it gave me the opportunity to open my eyes and go like, Dude, I need to be home. Yeah, like, I want to be a dad and sure. like, r- having a business to fall back on. The only way that business can be there if I'm around to run it. So it's like unless I'm getting paid, like I ain't going on these events. We used to go around the. I mean, we traveled the world. I was very blessed, but it's like it's a cool experience. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. But having a family, it ma- changes all those experiences because every time you leave, you're like, I just want to go home. Yeah. So, but I, I will say yes to traveling the world. I would never give it back except for now. My wife's like, let's go on vacation. I'm like. Fuck traveling. Yeah, the air the airport and the baggage. 20-hour 20, 20 flight to go where you want to go. That, can't we go to Mexico? Let's just get some steaks and like, like hang out by the pool. Uh, 100%. <laughs> so 100%. Uh, first car in store. All right. You, you, you feeling gassy tonight? First car? Yeah. So we do, we do standard a, questions with pretty much all yeah, guests, right? That's a tough one. Sometimes, man. if we're feeling, we'll, we'll, we'll guess... That is Some of the one. answers to that. If you're not feeling it, then that's fine. No, I'm feeling it. It's just that's this is an anomaly, man. I mean, all right. So you're 40. So <laughs> family with so much motorsport. You were driving. Background. You were driving in what? Oh two, oh three. Uh, no, uh, 97. no, 97. Yeah, 97. Yeah. I was graduated in oh two, oh one. Yeah, I graduated in 97. Oh, no, yeah. You're old as shit. Yeah, I know. But if I graduated <laughs> in 97, I was. I was uh, Got my license at. Well, they started. Lo- they started putting roads and stuff in what, like ninety yeah, nine in Alabama. High school a lot longer than most people, though. It was like a six year program for you. Yeah, we all went. We all went for four, four years. years to high school. What year did you get your license? It had been ninety seven. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but you're forty. Yeah, yeah. I'm forty five. Yeah, that's five years difference. I got my license when I was in ninety five. When I was turned sixteen, the math doesn't add up. I graduated you're doing the math though. Yeah, do the math. I graduated in two thousand one. Yep. Three years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Two years earlier because you get your license at 16. No, I got my license. So I was a sophomore. Yeah. yeah so was a sophomore. My birthday's in December. So I got a, I got my license. So you do the math the other way. You were born yeah. in 83, yeah. 16 years later. 99. Like we said. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's not what you said. Yeah. yeah, no, both of us yeah. said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, we were both like yeah. 99. Fuck, I knew I wasn't stupid. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that validates it. Like the, uh, uh, yeah, whatever, dude. These okay. are fucking details. These are like right? little fucking it means details that a are lot that important. When it's when you're guessing a first, the car. late uh, '90s. Okay, so, but 
granddad and dad. New car, car family. used car. Oh, used. Car family. But you were you were racing dirt bikes at that time? Yep. All right. You're going S10. That's no, I'm not going back to S10. I just know it's it's got to it's got to be a truck. Uh, you got to haul that dirt bike. Um, <laughs> it's an OBS Chevy truck. It's an OBS. It's two wheel drive too, and it's not four wheel drive. California. It's I'm just guessing. I'm just. Drive. It's. I'm going with OBS. Uh, uh, it could be 454 SS, but it's black. It's a black OBS truck. Just that's my that's my. I'm thinking that he put the work in. That this was like a little bit of a project. All right, you've got grandpa's swapping V8s. S10, no OBS S10s. They didn't come with V8s. So a little 350 swap. That's right around the time of the ZZ4. Maybe it even had the hot cam kit. I don't know. Okay, it's possible. So right? square body S10 with a nine-inch swap. Fucking nine-inch rear end in the back of that thing. White. Dirt bike white, slide right in the back. White S10 with a V8 swap. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking CJ now, and he pulled a trailer, but yeah, the Jeep thing, yeah. Uh huh. CJ, <laughs> frosted chips and all. <laughs> <laughs> I truly hear that shit never worked. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing on this one. Nothing. All right, it's gonna be a fucking it's box good. body or something. Yeah, and he's just, like, I just drove my motorcycle out the back out door. Field. <laughs> I wanted to say Mustang, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Nope. So. Actual first project that I didn't drive ever. My dad bought me a 95, 95 or 93 Ford F-150 that didn't run and then never finished. But it was a project that we were going to build it into a pre-runner. So me and my grandpa and my dad were out of town one time. We were going to make it. It was supposed to just be leaf springs in the back with I-beams in the front. my My dad was on a work trip and me and my grandfather fucking cut all the leaf springs out of it. And then it turned into a fucking... Four link. Link it. Yeah, my dad was pissed. But long story, super funny. But actually, my first car was a 93 Ford Ranger, single cab, four-cylinder, stick shift. Splash. Uh, dude, it was gray. And, it, dude, no air condition. And somebody, before we bought it, punched the freaking the stereo with the CD thing that came up the top. They punched it. So it was like the black splur dot. Yeah, oh, yeah. On the but LCD. Yeah. Six shift. I remember that yeah. shifter and the boot on it. It was huge. Yeah. It was like a it fucking was, Mack truck. You like, had, you talk about 28 inches of travel in your trophy truck. That's how long it took for <laughs> that, first to second yeah, my, gear. The, that the only upgrade I had was I put, when my dad lifted a Jeep that he had, it the Ranger and the Jeeps had the same bullpen. I put the stock Rubicon tires and wheels on it. 31s. That was it. Damn. I had nothing. Like, my dad, they, he wasn't a big... I never got no bad... I got to drive some Jeeps once in a while, but I never had... Dude, it was stock. I mean, Shit. I had that for... Uh, yeah, until I... I had an XJ after that, but I drove that for three years in all my high school career. Dude, we're just... We're missing with the Cali guys. It's a culture that we're not Oh, dude, the, not when you said S10, I got, like, six friends that had the S10 white really? flared fenders in the front, but nothing in the back. Front was five inches wider than the back. Tail light zip tied oh, to the frame. Dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Somebody uh, got him. White fiberglass, no paint. Oh, that, it's crazy how big that was for so Like the UTV kind of ruined it because now kids are like, I got $30,000 and I bought a UTV and then I tow it behind a nice car. Where before it was like, dude, you had $50,000 into a piece of shit because you put coilovers on it and you put a nine inch in the back, you put beams on it. 
I now still I, couldn't drive it. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Times have changed. What, what, what killed the Ranger? I never did. I just, we sold it to buy a Cherokee. When we were, a class called Jeep Speed, an off-road got popular, so I built like a pre-runner, had a 44 in the back and a beam in the front, little pre-runner. It, that would have been my S10, but it was a, uh, I didn't build that until I was 18 or 19. So I was straight stick shift ranger stock. I didn't even not, I mean, not nothing, not even like spacers, nothing. It looked back now going like, I don't even know why I did what I did. Not, no speakers or nothing? Nothing. No. Yeah. And some six by nines in a box in the back. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. the single cap. On those trucks, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, but you had about that much room. Yeah, and that's why I said six by nine. Oh, six yeah. Six by nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that's our right. first, you might be, which is a sign because you're <laughs> a pro race car driver that you didn't wreck your first car. We've done like 200 of these. I think 199 people wrecked their first car. When we oh, had that shit. Everybody's wrecked and totaled it. Yeah, totaled it, not just wrecked it. Yeah. Yeah, I did not totaled, do that. Totaled. I've been in some cars with other people that had parents' money and fucked shit up. But not myself. Good to you. Yeah, you, like yeah, you said, race car driver. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. We've We're born some, with a natural ability. Yeah, yeah, I think JR totaled something. Yeah. We've had some guys on here that totaled some shit. He's just a little he more responsible. Lucky. He got lucky. A little more yeah. responsible. Uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice? Uh, I would say if... Uh, now looking at it as I'm getting older, my gr- my grandpa's whole saying was, if you can't afford what you really want, then don't buy it at all. Wait until you can afford it. I'd say that I used to like, when I was younger, I'd, I'd be in a fucking, dad, grandpa found a boat, 21 footer dude, it's got a jet boat, but it, the motor don't run. He'd be like, you don't need it. Just wait until you can buy one that runs. And then, you know, like as I got older, like I used to want to buy race cars that were pieces of shit and then I'll rebuild them and make them nice. And he's like, you're going to have more money in it that way. But for me, I think that piece of advice would be, to wait and to hustle and to get the capital that it takes and needs to do anything in life right. Buy one, cry, buy once, cry once. I think that, well, it's not even that. I think even like when it comes to just doing everything I look at now and going like, man, if I would have had that piece of shit, first of all, I didn't even need the boat because in reality, the boat was a hobby when I was actually trying to be a race car driver. Like if I would have spent the five grand on the boat and then I probably would have been five grand into the damn motor and then another two or three grand into the jet pump that that would have been all that money away from racing. So yeah. I look at it going like, it wasn't so much about the boat. It was more like you don't even, you have other things in life that the money should be spent on. Yeah. So focus on what's going to make you successful. And, and just, that's a great, great advice. It's good, good advice for uh, drag racers. You know, <laughs> because those dudes, they will buy like the cheapest car, project car you can get. And Always then, lacking the motor. And then over the next, oh, yeah, everything like, set up over the next two to three years, put like six figures yeah. in that car, which just wait like a little bit longer mm-hmm. because at the end of it, it's worth like nothing because it's like the most asinine, like off year vehicle yeah. ever. I, I'd agree on that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things that I think like looking at it now, I probably would have a jet boat, a couple jet skis bunch of dirt bikes, probably two or three dirt bike trailers because I could have got good deals on them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd have all the shit that you're sitting there going, like, instead of buying a race car or a, a tote, you know, chase trucks and yeah. nicer trailers, like, I would be that guy. Back then, I would look at it and be like, fuck, I would have had 
25 pieces of shit out it's a yard out, full of shit just garbage that <laughs> you know you could have had one nice thing but now the problem is nothing they're worth all half best uh car or truck movie oh i mean i would say i don't know I, i'm a i'm a comedian i like like movies like talladega nights good good yeah, pick solid pull. good pick yeah, I'm I mean, it's no fan. step brothers but it's, it's good I, uh, it's no. up there I, I do love step brothers too step brothers yeah. is, is king it's the goat nothing beats step brothers talladega nights is great man i can't get my to my daughter she's 10 my son's 12 they never stop reciting the baby Jesus line. Oh, God. And, and like people who don't know what it's from, like, there's, <laughs> there's something, something wrong with, something wrong with your kids. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's the movie. Funny. I just got a meme sent to me though. It's from uh, uh, Step Brothers though when he was beating on the drums. And, he, you know, it's it's like, you know, when you're driving in the fast lane and that fucking slow car rolls in front of you. It's like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> it's just like, it's. Oh, so real life. Those fucking guys are... They are so holy good. Shit. They just don't make movies like this. No. I agree. Both of those are fucking bangers. Yeah. Talent. Talent, my, talent. Uh, my kids just went to go watch a movie, and my wife was reading about it because she didn't know about it, and it, the movie was like... It's some underwater movie, but they're like, the mermaid very much so looks like a girl, and the... You know, the merman looks like a man. I'm like, they had to write that in there to show the description. Yeah, if you, I've, it's some kids movie, but that's the shit that is today. It's something like it says it in the name, yeah. merman. Yeah. Oh, but they're showing that he Mermaid. has no shirt on, and you know, hmm. she has boobs. It's, it's and the thing we're looking. At, I mean, you literally saw him put his nutsack on the drum set. Oh, <laughs> you knew, you knew that was a man. A hundred percent. That's man. Oh, that's so good, dude. Uh, so true. I'm going to put my nutsack <laughs> on your truth. <laughs> what? Uh, we generally go, most of the time it's best SEMA story. And you can go SEMA story if you want. However, we will open it up to best race, event, traveling. This is, everybody's got that story, right? So everybody's been out drinking with friends. This is the one that you go to. Everyone's kind of like, oh, I, I got a funny story. And you're like, guys, shut up and listen Hold to this. Yeah. yeah, this is this, this is one. I mean, I was young at SEMA, so I've had some, the raging parties. I've tried to get away from that a little bit because, fuck, if we could have, forget half the shit I said the night before. What's the craziest party at SEMA? Oh, shit, I don't even remember. Toyo Tires used to do a bunch of good ones. I'm friends with a bunch of guys from Toyo. They used to, th or at least they knew where every party was. It seemed yeah. like, I honestly don't even, I, dude, I haven't been to a party in SEMA in like five years. Now I'm like. I can suit and tie. I have to go out to dinners and stuff. Yeah. So it's like nine o'clock at night. By the time you get done with dinner, it's like 10 o'clock. Ready to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got to be at the booth in the morning because you got meeting. It's like shit's changed. I don't like back in the day though, boy, when I was just partying, trying to find that. Yeah. There used to be some good ones. I don't, I don't know. Well, what's the, there's the one that has the pool on the outside. It's up at the top. Um, Dre's. Dre's. <laughs> it's at the very top and the pool's outside. You got the DJ things on the inside. There's some good ones there. Pushing people in the jacuzzis and the, uh, but haven't done it in a while. But fuck, I don't know. I was committed to projects that were, I could never get done and fuck pulling all nighters for weeks on end to end up limiting the windows to make it so it looked finished, but there's no interior in the car. And oh, we've fuck. been there. We've been there. I'm, we never had to tint them. We've, it, we came close. We I, talked about it. Yeah. Like, well, worst case scenario. I had to hit the windows. Did the roll cage thing? I wanted everything to be leather wrap, but the only way to do the leather wrap stuff was after SEMA, and then it would have been all raw with holes in it because there's no reason to put everything into the holes until you put all the. I'm like, 
We're fucking wrapping the windows. This is it. There's no, I can't do this. Well, dude, I know you got to catch a plane. We got to do oh, a quick yeah. whiskey review and then we'll be rocking out. We got a special whiskey tonight, don't we? Yeah. We had uh, our uh, a young boy swing by the shop. K32 Customs. Yeah. Logan. Logan was picking up a chassis. What's he building? He's a, he's a grown man. I would, wouldn't consider him. He's young. He's young. We just use that term <laughs> loosely. Shop. You know, you get yeah. like a 20 something year old. He's a young boy. boy. Yeah. Young boy. Yeah, he's out of Kansas. And so he brought a Kansas bourbon. He brought whiskey. some West Bottoms Whiskey Company signature blend, Kansas City whiskey, uh, 94 proof, blended. I think it was a little surprising. This is good stuff. Man. It's good, actually. Surprising yeah. for what we You're always said. skeptical Kansas when it doesn't, yeah, when it doesn't come out known of for the bourbon. Louisville, Kentucky. Known for the barbecue sauce, but. Kansas City is barbecue sauce. Yeah, barbecue, right? Yeah. I never knew that until we went to the airport there. I was like, there's a lot of barbecue shit here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> KC Masterpiece back in the day. Oh, yeah. Kansas never City. never put that together. Yeah. Hmm. How about it? Good whiskey, though. It was. We appreciate the uh, contribution to yeah. our uh, bad habit. That's uh, you've gotten yourself two shout outs now. I know you brought the whiskey. That's nice. All right, let's. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah, charge him for the third. He picked up a chassis. He picked up a chassis. Yeah. Everybody check out. You need to check out Logan at K thirty two Customs on Instagram. Dude, young guy, super nice, extremely talented. It's, I love it. It's nice to see in the industry of the guys that are doing it seemingly the right way. Talent and attitude and building good stuff building good yeah. shit there's yeah. there's getting less and less so it is, i believe me i'm a big i'm a big fan of craftsmanship and yeah seeing yeah. all the people building and the youth stuff. man anybody 100 anybody that's getting after it at yeah. a young age is always impressive agree yeah especially since it, it is we're a dying trade getting older it's been awesome man i'm glad you could make it uh safe travels i know you got king of the hammers here coming up yeah. good thank luck no thank you guys for have the fun Appreciate you coming out, man. Badass facility. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, need to come out here in the summer and actually check it all out. Like, yeah. Not this 10 degrees. Yeah, yeah get stuff. you behind the wheel of something. Right? Oh, yeah. We need to do something. We need to get that trophy truck out here or something. We need to do some Fuck that, collab dude. or something. We're going out by him. Yeah, what are you, you going to do around here with it? Yeah, Drive around like parking yeah. lot in a trophy truck. Yeah, so come out. Exciting. You guys yeah. come out to California and I'll show you guys all. Dude, literally, you guys all come out to California. You fly in Ontario, I'll, I'll get you all taken care of. How often do you go out to Glamis? Uh, I only go probably three or four times a year. So, bring the trophy truck or just no? It's too much, dude. Things a pain. They has to prep. Yeah. Uh, I have. We got a bunch of toys. What's so, the latest you can go out there before it starts getting too damn hot? Well, so I mean, well, probably May. Yeah. So after that, what you do? Like, uh, I have some friends that do. They go out and they do it at night. Like they'll drive out during the day do and it then rip it all night and then drive home the next day. Hmm. So you got to know the terrain for that. I feel you like. Can. You got to know yourself yeah. up. Good lights. Ahead. Yeah. Good lights. But yeah, if you guys, when you guys ever want to come up to California, well, yeah, we're going to hit you up, man. Set so, it up. Absolutely. absolutely. Appreciate it, dude. No? Uh, thanks everybody for listening to oil and whiskey. Ironclad original. If you like the show, be sure to leave a rating or review. You know, all the shit you've been listening long enough. Thanks again, Casey. We'll see you again next week.